Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. You may have seen or heard or read about Steve Sylvester last week. He's an antique shop owner in the capital city of California, Sacramento, and had a mostly naked guy bust into his, his business the other day and cause a fracas, and Steve got interviewed. You know, honestly, I think it mostly got attention because the dude was mostly naked, and that's kind of the hook for the dumb, dumb media. <laughs> oh, really? You think that's why I got attention? Oh, that's a big part of it. Really? Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's at sad. least part of it. It also comes in the wake of uh, Liz Novak, who we talked to, who is a, uh, a shop owner in the same area, who said she's closing up her business and moving it because of uh, the incursion of bums and junkies. Uh, Steve Sylvester joins us now to talk about the situation in his part of the world and, uh, you know, what he thinks is causing it as a guy who observes it every day. Steve, how are you, sir? Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's our pleasure. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, I assume you're taking the time because you care about the neighborhood where you live and work. I'm in the center of Sacramento. Um, There's a big freeway that cuts through it called the WX Freeway. And underneath each of the roads, there there is Camp City. Right, and it's, I assume, a hell of a lot of junkies there. There is. Um, the problem is there's four types of homeless, and there's the people who are genuinely homeless, and I think the city should spend every penny on getting them rehoused. Then we have a lot of mentally ill around here. We call them the monster shouters, but they're like the Stephen King novel. There's a couple that we know who actually want to be on the streets. They don't want to be part of society. They love the the nomad life. But the biggest problem for our area, and that's happened in the last year, is it's all drug-related. It's street drugs. How do you know that? Because the crowd that are hanging around now are much younger, and what happens is that they'll suddenly become absolutely crazy. And, and that's because they've just taken something that's nice and cheap and cheerful, and then they go around, um, usually causing chaos in the local area. And do you think, uh, I know you've said in the past that there's been an increase in the number of people uh, menacing your business and making it tough to do business and the rest of it. Uh, what's your sense of why it's increasing so quickly? Um, a couple of reasons, really. I mean, we've got, I think it's 5,600 homeless in Sacramento, and that apparently, according to the rules, is a 19% increase over the last couple of years. There's, there's two things that are happening that's making Sacramento a little busier with the homeless population. One is what they call greyhound therapy. Um, the local newspaper reported that uh, in Nevada, they actually give one-way tickets to get out of the state and come to Sacramento because it's a much better place to get benefits. And then another um, piece of news that I found out was that um, a hospital, a mental hospital in Vegas, over a five-year period, bust out 1,500 people out of Nevada, of which a third came to California. And that's what we had a lot around in this area. Wow, that is something. Yeah, that's amazing. Steve Sylvester is a Sacramento business owner. He was on the news uh, last week when a, a um, drugged-up maniac smashed a bunch of stuff in his antique shop. So you're either a city or a state that spends your money on shipping homeless out, or you're a city or a state that spends money on attracting homeless. More or less. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Steve, how often do you have to say clean up in front of your store uh, human waste and that sort of thing? Well, it's Tuesday morning, and as I would have it, it was a fairly clean day today, so uh, I could open the front door without a problem. But it can be um, a needle sitting outside, which you have to go and pick up. Um, and that's not too bad, I hate to say. The worst thing is, is the human waste, and, and that is, really is the waste, the worst part of the day. How often does that actually happen, where you got human poop on the sidewalk or wherever you got to deal with? Um... Probably about four times a week. Oh, I've noticed it's cut. Yeah, I know. It's, it's cut down a little bit because we used to have uh, a mentally ill homeless guy, and he used to drag around these two waste bin containers, and he had this thing that he had to poop on top of a car. Oh, boy. So we'd have a... Yeah. We'd that is, that's a thing. That's back. an interesting thing. Yeah. Like the hood yeah. or the top of the car? He would... He would squat on the top of the car and then do his business down the windshield. And then, of course, in the hot Sacramento weather, when you go there at 7 o'clock at night to pick your car up, it's the last thing you want to do. Well, you're going to have to get that detailed. Yeah, that is literally the last thing I yeah. want to do. Uh, so, Steve, would you, uh, when you appeal to the police for help with this sort of thing, um, what happens? What are you told? Well, here's the problem is that the police are in their own set of handcuffs because there really is nothing that they can do. Their hands are tied. I mean, if someone on the street does something that's technically illegal, like vandalism, when we have our shop windows broken, um, then they can arrest someone for vandalism. But if they're just walking around barking at the moon, I mean, there's nowhere for them to go. So really, they just have to move them on and make sure they're not ill, and that's it. Your thoughts on uh, folks who give to panhandlers? Oh, yeah. Well, here in Sacramento, as I said, I'm very near the freeway that cuts through the center of the city. But on the other side of the store, there's a very long road called Broadway. And, I mean, I love Sacramento, and I love Broadway because it's full of about 30 fabulous restaurants. But outside most of the restaurants, there'll be people begging for money. And I do wish people would not give them money because the money is not going to be used to buy themselves food. It's going to be used to get a quick fix. So if you see people outside restaurants, give them some food. They'll probably say no because they really want the money. You know, the police in a lot of areas say the same thing, don't give them money. And when the uh, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, was the mayor of San Francisco, I know that was a campaign he was into, uh, do not give money to beggars so i don't know how that i mean he's a lefty he's the compassionate lefty i don't know how word has not gotten around everybody stop giving money to beggars right why are you doing that right beggars are not quote unquote the homeless necessary necessarily they're beggars so steve um how long do you plan on sticking it out if it gets significantly worse are you thinking of relocating or are you committed to where you are oh no i'm committed i mean we've been here 19 years, almost as long as you've been on the radio, but um, we have a big store, and we do have lots of compassion, and we know what the problem is now, so we'll stick through it. There's, there's got to be an answer. Well, you're, you're an optimist. Big... Oh, yeah, I'm a total optimist. My big problem is the city's got a bucket load of money to deal with the homeless problem, and um, what they're doing at the moment is such a short-term quick fix. It's not going to work. 
Right. Well said. Well, we need to stay in touch on this, Stephen. And one final note. Uh, Jack and I began our, uh, well, it, it was early in our radio career that we worked in downtown Sacramento, not far from where you are, and uh, and ate breakfast uh, most days there at the Pancake Circus, which I think is very near your business, and I'm pretty sure I gained 10 to 15 pounds in a year eating breakfast there. Oh, well, it, it's still there, and the pounds can still be put on. Yeah, it's right on the end of the same block. <laughs> Pancakes the size of a manhole. All right, uh, Steve, great to talk to you, uh, and let's stay in touch. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, you got it. How do you how do you get up on the car? You climb up on the bumper. Oh, you climb up on the sure. crawl up across the hood. The, right. Yeah. It's a very ritual uh, thing he's got going on there because he's got to like start on the top and move down the windshield. I wonder and, if he has any interest in like what model it is or anything like that. Ooh, look at that, a Lexus. I've never pooped on a Lexus <laughs> before. I I don't know. Maybe he's like belligerently pro-American cars. All right, all, all Japanese cars. Super uh, patriotic. Yeah. You know. Anyway, that's really not the point of the conversation. Not really. Um, not per se. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 unbelievable. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Well, and listen, you, you were mentioning that story earlier where there's a, a state park where the bums have taken over and the junkies and, and the guys are like, you know, we can be uh, lenient on some stuff like the littering if you just cooperate a little bit. Why are we... Taxpayers, law-abiding citizens, I don't know. begging for, please don't hurt us. Uh, we won't ask much of you. Just, you know, keep crapping on the streets and stealing and breaking windows and doing drugs. And it's your park now. Just don't damage it too much. I tell you what, and this is why Trump got elected and why he might get reelected. He says, making about it about Trump slightly. The Ninth Circuit Court with their bizarro reeling. Ruling, rather. I'm sorry, I'm reading and talking at the same time. They're bizarre ruling where you can't boot somebody out of a park unless you can prove the government has provided a bed for them. Right. They're a junkie. They like doing drugs. They have no interest in working like the rest of us. What if three more guys decide to become junkies today? That means the government has to get three more beds? Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, you're letting the junkies and the bums run society. Life, That's not how it works. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness is the only thing government's supposed to provide. It, That's right. It didn't guarantee you a place to live. No, they're supposed to protect your liberties, period. And it certainly doesn't guarantee you a place to live in super expensive areas of the country. Wackadoo judges, man. That's at the root of a lot. Yeah. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. You know what I'd like to do to some of these judges? to climb up on their car. I'll give you a hint. Where are you parked? All right. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Drew Harwell is an actual recognized authority on various things uh, technological. He covers technology and artificial intelligence for the Washington Post and joins us now to talk about the coming facial recognition a wave across America. Hey, Drew, how are you? Hey, guys, good. How are you? Good. That was an extremely wordy introduction, but I think I pulled it off. <laughs> um, so, listen, uh, I, I think a lot of us have followed some of the documentaries about facial recognition in China, and it's it's pretty cool in a weird way, but pretty scary. Uh, what's the newest on um, facial recognition in uh, the U.S.? 
Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it everywhere. You're seeing it in um, uh, schools and, and companies, and, you know, it's still sort of rare, but it's it's increasing pretty quickly. And um, the big sort of new front is for police departments and sheriff's office where they are allowing sort of deputies and investigators to use it to identify people that they meet out on out on the streets and in the field and in and their way maybe lead to new arrests and uh, new investigations. How would that work exactly in practicality? So, you know, if somebody shoplifts out of a store, they're often caught on security or surveillance cameras. The the people who call the police they sort of have the footage but they don't have any quick way to identify the people. So now these deputies can just sort of take that image, run it through their facial recognition oh, right. system, which scans all of their sort of jail mug shots and, you know, okay. sort so of in, find a match. Sure. So instead of saying it was a guy, he's, I don't know, he's about six foot tall, probably weighed 180 pounds. Well, they just they just do the face reg- facial recognition thing and say, yeah, it's Jimmy Smith. He lives over here and you go get him. Well, yeah, does exactly. it have to be somebody who's been in the system? Yeah, that's right. So okay. it's. 300,000 photos right now, and it's everybody who's been sort of arrested. We'll all be in the system before you know it. We'll all be in the system before you know it. If we aren't already. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, we have to think that there are, you know, the DMV has photos on all of us. There are passport photos. So these databases are out there. They're just not yet connected to those systems. But, you know, the question is, could they ever be, and and could we ever be identified like that? Yes and yes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, there's a fine line between uh, aware and and paranoid, but, uh, you know, there, and we reference this on the show semi-regularly, Drew, that there are so many federal crimes, nobody even knows how to count them, uh, including the regulations you can violate, which end you up in jail and the rest of it. And I could see a push made that if you get a parking ticket, if you have an overdue library book, if you do anything, you step out of line, we just uh, we're going to take your picture. That's it, and you get entered into the system, and then everybody's in the system. Yeah, and that's not really science fiction anymore. I mean, that uh, a way a part of that happens in China right now, where they have sort of facial recognition cameras set up at intersections. If people jaywalk, it sort of takes a picture of them. It has their identity, and then they they're named and shamed effectively. Their their pictures and identities are put up in these like public squares as sort of like, you know, moments of embarrassment. So that's not happening here obviously, but that's just a sign of, you know, how this technology could be used. I mean it's 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 a way that deputies and police could identify any of us um, without us really knowing or consenting. And so there's all sorts of questions of privacy and, and whether we really want that that future ahead of us. How good is it right now, the technology on facial recognition? Is it pretty accurate most of the time? It, it all depends on the quality of the image and w- the images they're looking at, like their database of, of facial images, right? So like there, if I shave, a, if all of a sudden, mm-hmm. does it not work? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good question. It, it really, I mean, it, yes, it can still work in that. And, and a lot of the deputies will say, like, oh, well, you know, if, even if somebody puts on glasses or they, they grow out a beard, you know, this can still tell. I, I mean, it, it really depends on, on how good the image is. And, you know, a lot of these surveillance photos are taken from in the ceilings at weird angles so those tend to be less accurate um and you know they're they're taken in the dark or by you know crappy smartphones so it it all depends but you know in in this scenario um anything less than perfect accuracy is going to lead to deputies potentially arresting the wrong bad guy i'm horrified by all this but the, the upsides you know for the things for good if we could do away with keys more or less i'd be happy that you could walk into your building where you work with your face or your house or start your car with your face 
You just don't need keys. That that'd be awesome. Drew Harwell yeah, covers yeah. Uh, technology for the Washington Post and is on the line. Yeah, that that would be kind of cool, and I think we're moving in that direction. Hey, one thing you mentioned in your piece, which is that quite... can't be you. You were too fat. You didn't used to be this fat. <laughs> no, that I must be let, somebody different. No, I've let myself go. No, I've been so, eating a lot lately. Uh, one thing in your piece that we'll have a link to, so folks can find it easily, is that uh, they've actually. Um, run artist sketches through the software. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, and that's not a way to that, see if that, that looks like anybody. Yeah, and I mean, you have to wonder: is that really going to give you good results? Like, you know, the system is designed to compare one photo to the other. When you start getting into artist sketches, it it all depends on how was the how was the artist feeling that day, and how good was the drawing, right? And and so you know, that's going to up the the danger of it being a misidentification. So all these people are saying we really shouldn't be using it in that in that way. But you know, Amazon for their point says whatever. I mean, this is a tool for the deputies. They get to decide. It's it's, uh, it's all human judgment at the end of the day because they get to look at the photos and the matches that the system shows up and get to choose. But uh, you know, I think there's a question of whether hey, is this system being used for for too much? Is there is there mission creep here where we're now just sort of throwing? Yep. photos into the search yes. because, because it's easy. Absolutely. Drew Harwell covers tech for the Washington Post. True, really interesting stuff. Again, we'll have a link to your piece. Thanks very much for the uh, conversation. Thank you. Yeah. There's no stopping any of this. All our information... Unless we fight for our, our rights. DNA, our faces, everything's going to be everywhere all the time. The government will track everything we do all the time. That is absolutely going to happen in my lifetime. Ooh, chilling. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Uh, a great deal of attention was a, was paid to an article in the San Francisco Chronicle the other day. It was about a two-block alley. It's a street, essentially, between Dolores and Valencia Streets. Clinton Park. A group of residents raised money to buy a bunch of boulders and line them up along the edge of a sidewalk in an attempt to dissuade... Uh, drug dealers and people camping out and that sort of thing. Like the sort of thing you can get at Home Depot or something? Large rocks for landscaping? Uh, my idea is that, well, they're about two to three feet high, three to four feet wide. So they're very, very oh, big rocks. Oh, that's a really big yeah, rock. But they're just big enough that people can move them. And that's the problem. People have been pushing them off of the sidewalk and into the street because they're against the placing of the rocks because they think it's too tough on the homeless or whatever. Um, and uh, it's funny. This article is very interesting. It's thought-provoking. Uh, has a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions, but only one person, and I think this is significant, was willing to give their first name and last. Everybody else feared uh, repercussions or anger or being targeted, which says something about our modern politics. God, I say those rocks aren't cheap. I mean, I bought landscaping stuff like that. They're they're expensive. Yeah, the really big ones. But the uh, there's a picture of the rocks there, Jack. Those are quite large rocks. Uh, but the one person who was quoted first name and last, or or one Whoa, of the very those few, those are giant boulders. It uh, depends on the point of view. That that's shot right from the curb. That's, that's a good that's, example of perspective in photography. That comes right out of the Flintstone quarry right there. Right. Uh, one of the few people quoted was Danielle Baskin, who's an artist, uh, creator of Dialup.com, um, who was uh, against the boulders and actually offered them up on Craigslist to be sold, which I believe was a fairly creative expression of not liking them. Nobody thinks they're going to end up an anti-boulder activist. And Danielle joins us now. Danielle, how are you? Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Good. Well, at the outset, let me tell you this. You're a very interesting person. I've taken a look at your <laughs> you know, your history and your resume and, and your, your creative output and the rest of it. Um, and it's, it's very, very cool. Uh, so why are you so against the local residents 
putting the rocks on that sidewalk? Oh, it's a total waste of money and solves absolutely nothing. Putting rocks on, on the sidewalk did not actually change the way people use the sidewalk. It just makes it blocked, uh, can't be handicap accessible, but also is a total waste of money when the, the money and time planning the rocks could have gone towards either, you know, donating to donating to organizations that are helping homeless people or fighting for more housing. Well, okay. there's enough money being spent to help homeless people. That is, There's no shortage of money being spent to help homeless <laughs> yeah. people. Gazillions of dollars are being spent. But yeah. did the did the rocks, were the rocks on the sidewalk long enough to, to see if they actually had any effect, whether you're for it or against oh, it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I passed, on, I passed uh, that street multiple times per day, and the rocks didn't do anything. I mean, it just made it more difficult to walk okay. on the sidewalk. A, a, a couple, of, counter, a couple yeah. of counterpoints to what you said. Yeah. Um, the local residents spent their own money. It's their money. They can do whatever they want with yeah. it. So well, that's none of your business, sidewalk. right? Sure, but they put their sidewalk, they put the their rocks on a public right. sidewalk. Right. If I, they wanted to all chip in to get rocks for their backyard, then that's <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. So, but the city disputes that it makes yeah. it impassable for homeless, and the city said the problem isn't the rocks. In fact, they're okay with it. The problem is people pushing them into the street. Well, I mean, we we were originally trying to take them away because uh, they sort of didn't belong to anyone if they're out in the street. Um, and there's issues with, with the city trying to make these few residents on this street happy versus, like, dealing with the housing crisis. <laughs> yeah, but they, the, the residents on the street, it's not incumbent on them to deal with the housing pri- crisis. It's, they no, just totally. wanted the rocks no, to make it impossible to set up big drug dealing tents. Yeah, I mean, I it's definitely not like 10 homes responsibility to help our city, but I think if we all have that attitude, then who is going to help? So, I, was, I wasn't paying close enough attention. Do you live on that yeah. street? No, I don't. I don't. So then why do you care? Why do you care if you don't live on why that street? Why don't you just care about your street? <laughs> well, that's 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 not the right attitude. I care about I care about the city. Um, I have never I passed that street like many times, and I've never had any I've never had any negative interactions with people on it. I mean, most of the time, people are minding their own business on the sidewalk. People who aren't you, because um, you don't mind your own business. You go to other people's streets and try to <laughs> impact their lives. I mean, I did it outside. I didn't. I didn't stand outside their homes yelling at that. Like the, the the street is relatively pretty calm. Sure, there's sure there is drug dealing. That is that is everywhere. There's drugs, uh, not just in the street. I'm sure there's drugs in people's homes too. That is a, that is a, that is a separate issue. I mean, I think there's, uh, there's right, other. right. And and listen, yeah. Danielle, Jack is very uh, combative. I I'm this, a middle child. I bring people together. This texture says I'm hostile. Um, you are <laughs> that's pretty good, hostile. That's a pretty good description. Yeah, listen, I'm more I'm more into comparing thoughts and ideas. So Danielle, it, it's interesting to me that you're insisting on big picture gestures when these people. People are just trying to keep people from dealing drugs right outside their homes. Don't you yeah. think they have the right to improve their lives, or do you think they should sacrifice? Well, this is going to be unfair. Do you think they should sacrifice the, their actual lives on the altar of your ideals? This is tough. This is tough. This is why I'd like to. I'd like to talk to them in person and have us all meet and discuss other solutions. 
The I homeless mean, people or the rock people are you talking about? Uh, all, all together. I mean, I think we could all have a conversation about it. It's just a little, it's inhuman. It's, it's, it's treating people not as human to just dump boulders. Drug right dealers? They're trying to keep drug dealers Anyone. off the sidewalk. Anyone. I mean, drug dealers, you can talk, like, sure, I, I, I think that, I think that, uh, we could all talk to each other as humans. It's like, I mean, if you're going to, if you want to keep a mouse out of your house, maybe you, like, stuff some, um, some steel wool in a hole, but it, that's that is some unbelievable anti-mousism <laughs> right there. <laughs> no, I mean like there's there's uh, treating humans, but uh, trying to get rid of humans by jumping boulders isn't the way to do it. And okay. I think, of course, it's it's not these residents' like sole responsibility, but maybe they. I mean, I I would be I I would be fine joining that. A large group can can join, and we can all like meet outside at an intersection and discuss, like, how to share that sidewalk. Well, we appreciate you. That's a fabulous, (laughs) fabulous idea. We definitely appreciate your willingness to come on the air because most people won't uh, back up their arguments and, you know, talk to the media or whatever. I think that's a a problem. If, 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 if If they're so afraid of hiding their identities, they know that they... Right. That they've done something that is just that is disturbing lots of people. Danielle Baskin, artist yeah. and creator of dialup.com. Danielle, I could not disagree mm-hmm. with you more, and I like you. <laughs> so, listen, thanks for coming on. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. For thanks a lot. There you go. See, I, I dread a world. With no artists and poets. I dread a world where she's in charge of anything. But I don't want artists and poets in charge of public policy. <laughs> don't, what are you doing going to other people's streets and worried about how they're handling the homeless on their street? Well, and again, well, that, see, again, that, with... Okay, I'm sorry. That's one of the great divides between liberals and conservatives right there. Is the, on behalf of other people I'm doing this... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my street. How about you worry about your street? You're okay with drug addicts on your street? Right. Go for it. And, and again, and I will quibble on this, and I will not stop. For folks who are not new to the issue, we're not talking about the homeless. We're talking about junkies and drug dealers and criminals. These people said, and, and here's what was happening. These people were setting up eight to ten foot wide tents. These are not the little pup tents of the junkies in a park in Seattle. These were these are big tents. The flap is open, and you go in there to buy meth, and you go in there to buy other drugs. They're the drug dealers setting up their store right outside these people's homes, and that's what they're trying to get rid of with the big rocks, which is the city says we get it, you can do the rocks. And if the freaking city of San Francisco says, yeah, you know, I get it. You're okay with this. Trust me, they're okay with it. But She seems like a nice person, oh, yeah. and, and you know, one reason that I'm saying this not to her, and I'm saying it after she got off the phone, I'm not trying to be unfair. It's just that, you know, I don't want to say mean things to her, but uh, it drives me crazy, this whole prioritizing the homeless at all, let alone when it's drug dealers, over everybody else. Why would you do that? Why would you say... It's. I don't. I. I want to make it more comfortable for the drug dealers and the homeless to be on the sidewalk than the people who live there on the street, paying the taxes, all that sort of stuff. So they can't use the sidewalk, but the homeless people can. Why? And the the handicapped accessible. That argument's being used a lot, which is freaking ADA is one of the great. Use that as a shield for all kinds of crap, but. The homeless people aren't, or the handicapped people aren't going to be using that sidewalk because they aren't going to go down a street that's got all those drug dealers. So it's it's not handicapped accessible 
if you got a ramp and some scary drug dealers, it's not now handicapped accessible. Right. Because you're not going to want to go on that street. And again, the Public Works Department says, listen, the problem is not the rocks. The problem is people pushing the rocks into the street. So that just... It just, settles that. I just, I'm, I'm fascinated always by the, the conflict of visions, how we see the world so differently. Mm-hmm. The fact that you'd want to go to someone else's neighborhood across town and push the rocks into the street because of the way they're handling their sidewalk. I can't even imagine doing that. But to her, that seems like a you know good use for time. I rest my case. Yeah. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. I believe this fully. And it's tough to to not just sound like it's more talk radio hyperbole in the world of talk radio and cable news hyperbole. But we might be going through, I think we are going through, as interesting a time as has existed in hundreds of years on planet Earth. Keeping in mind that Henry Kissinger, who was uh, one of the great geopolitical thinkers... Everybody agrees on that. He was Secretary of State 50 years ago. Even if you hated him, he was a mover of uh, tectonic plates. He wrote a book a couple of years ago called World Order, and he said there's more world disorder than there has been in almost 500 years. That's saying something. And that just the entire idea of uh, Western civilization and its dominance over the world is breaking apart, and that that is going to just unleash all kinds of stuff. Mm. Um, Almost all of it horrifically ugly, I would pro- guess. Probably before some other order comes about, and who knows how long yeah, that could take. We will, we will keep order. And, and, you know, how long that could take. And you got this situation with, and this this is in the news today. So we are not going to sell our best military planes to Turkey, a NATO ally, because they decided to go ahead and take the Russian um, anti-aircraft system. Right. And we don't want those two meld together, and we're worried that they'll take information, our secret information from our best plane and give it to the Russians, blah, blah, blah. Right. Why is this important? Turkey is the most powerful country, militarily speaking, in NATO. The most powerful military in NATO, outside of the United States, obviously, is Turkey. Wow. And they... Are now in bed with the Russians. Yeah. How long do they get to stay? NATO. Yeah. yeah. So well, and and one more layer on this, if I might. The uh, Obama administration was trying to work out this missile defense deal too, and they couldn't come to a deal with Turkey. And now the Trump administration is in the same boat, which is why the Turks turned to the Russians. But the reason both of the administrations were hesitating to sell them these advanced uh, missile defense systems is Erdogan and the Turkish regime has sung, swung so far toward the Islamist that we don't know if we can trust them. We don't know what kind of frenemy they are anymore. So I'm just using these news stories of today to make the overarching point. So you got the Turkey-NATO thing. The greatest disorder in the world in the last 500 years. Of, of not having a stable, this is, you know, how things are going to be. Who knows where it's going to go? You've got, obviously, the political situation that's going on, as both parties are just tearing themselves apart, and all over the country, all the democracies, the major parties are have either disappeared or they're being torn down. And what news is going to come out of that? Nobody has any idea. Then you throw in the Internet and social media, taking another story from today. Twitter has decided to hide the number of likes that you get from your viewers, seeing if maybe that will help 
with the whole I'm so caught up in likes and it's destroying my self-image and making me crazy thing. But wow, I hadn't heard that. People are being driven like that. People are being driven to suicide and opioid abuse because of social media. And it's tearing apart of politics. All of these things happening at the same time. There might not be. You'd have to maybe go back to the Middle Ages when there's been this much chaos at such a high level all around the world and in every aspect of our lives. Right, and even more than the change is the pace of change. Right. You can't, I mean, you, you yeah. can have one kingdom after another, or queendom? Is that a word? Uh, owning Florida. You know, one after the other over the course of like 310 years. But that's fine. Yeah. You know, the, the, the people adjusted. They went back to chewing on each other's faces and getting yeah. eaten by gators. You go back to the Middle Ages, you had all kinds of chaos, but things were going to be roughly the same in 10 years. Right. Even if it was terrible. There's no telling what things are going to be like in 10 years. Yeah. Just absolutely no telling what countries might be at war, who the dominant powers are, what the political parties will be like, how we live our lives with social media and 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 and. and People not getting married and having and, kids and anymore. Socialism, and, for that matter. No, I don't think. Do you think that's hyperbole? That's no. just. I, no, I, I don't think it is at all. We've always it might be fine. Honestly. Oh sure. Oh sure. People will try as hard as they can to find solutions as we go, but uh, it's going to be an enormous challenge, at least. We've always mocked the idea that you know these are such bad times. To how could you have a child in this world? And well, there's always still stupid, there's always but... been crazy times, but there's never been this much disorder in. Politics with the biggest countries, the uh, the, the relationships between the, the different countries, and then the Internet, how that throws everything up in the air. Absolutely everything. The economy, jobs, how are people going to be making a living in 20 years? Nobody AI, knows. Right. Uh, throw in AI, throw in nuclear proliferation, and uh, yeah, you got... You got an interesting stew. God, I'd say. And if and if you're getting caught up in the day to day, Trump tweeted this about AOC Trump and she tweeted back. Mean. Geez, you're missing this whole story. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's how bad our media is and how dumb our politics are. But yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's any choice but to just kind of, you know, get on uh, the surfboard of life and ride out the changes in the waves. Right. It's impossible to anticipate where this stuff's going. Or I, I hope I live long enough to see how some of this stuff turns out. I watched Trump last night with just the, that, you know, looking at the big picture aspect. I Did I say picture? I meant to say picture. Yeah, um, look, looking at the big picture aspect of this, of this, like, like France, like Italy, like Brexit and Great Britain, like every other country, we are changing our politics. We are We are recreating the parties or the parties are going away. Trump last night is part of it, just mm-hmm. the big picture of it, as opposed to they're chanting this and what does that mean? I just, oh, whatever. Well, as many smart people have observed, that Trump did not create the wave he wrote on it. No way. And there are a lot of issues with uh, with your standard model of Western republics. I hate to use democracy because we're not a democracy. But anyway, there's there are a, a bunch of issues that have arrived that our modern democracies are getting more and more corrupt and uh, you know the the deficit spending the politics are getting dumber the, the you know socialism which is a system which never will work and never can work is creeping in and so it could be argued that all right we need these changes again we're not creating the wave the wave was created by the various things i mentioned and that we the people are finally understanding these political parties aren't representing us at all they're representing themselves they're representing the government which is now its own giant rich uh, constituency and so people are saying yeah that's no good 
We need change. Now, unfortunately, to my mind, the change that we're asking for is all the wrong change. But it's in. I guess what I'm saying is a lot of this is inevitable. We'll smear Wolf Blitzer in honey and have him roll in candidates' pictures. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. I might actually have to tune into that and see and just to see I tell you what, how it's... over the top they take this in attempt, uh, attempted spectacle. Well, the very premise of the thing is fully into so bad it's good. Oh, oh no doubt. I mean, it's, it's so idiotic I can't even believe somebody thought it was a good idea, but... Yeah, I may have to watch. So they have the debate I'm taking it? So they'll have the little blower machine go on, the ping pong ball come up, and it's Marianne Williamson! Marianne Williamson! So, Mr. President, if you're listening... (laughs) They'll play a a quote of hers, a little video, and then they'll have her picture go across the screen, bonk, into night one. There's a good video of Marianne Williamson at one of her deals the other day with a big giant crowd, and she had all the white people in the audience stand up and turn around and apologize to the black people in the audience. (laughs) For something. Unless all the white people broke wind, I just don't (laughs) think that's really appropriate. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.